It's a Bundesliga break after 14 matches, so now's the perfect time for the other Bundesliga team to get together and talk about which teams are looking just fine and who is in the firing line as we head towards a couple of international fixtures and we get prepared for the last few league matches before Christmas and the winter break. Hello, dear listener. Thanks for tuning in to the other Bundesliga podcast. This is just a quick note before we begin this episode to let you know that the morning after we recorded, there was some major Bundesliga news. SK Rapid or Rapid Vienna, they've decided to release their head coach, Didi Kubauer, ending a pretty long spell of speculation about his position and his post in Hütteldorf. We do talk about Rapid a fair bit later on in this episode, as we had a lot of questions about whether Kubauer should stay or go. So stay tuned to find out whether we got our predictions right or not and listen in armed with the knowledge that the manager of last season's runners-up has indeed been sacked during this international break. And for now, Thomas Hickersberger and club legend Stefan Hoffman have taken over the club's training on an interim basis. With that, I'll get the actual episode started. We hope you enjoy it. A very warm welcome to the other Bundesliga podcast. My name's Tom Midler and I'm joined today by Lee Wingate and Simon Clark. The three of us are here in the warm and cosy surrounds of the Long Hall Pub and Kitchen in Vienna's beautiful 8th district. We've just had some really nice food. We're getting a few rounds of drinks in as well to uh, make the, the evening pass by as we talk about the Austrian Bundesliga. And uh, that is exactly what we're talking about today. We've got a separate pod covering the Austrian teams in European competition. So definitely check that out if you're interested in how those teams are getting on in the Champions League, Europa League and the Conference League as well. This podcast right here is all about the Austrian Bundesliga. And I suppose rather surprisingly for this one, there's a team that we've got to start with and it's not Salzburg for a change. I'm sure many of our listeners will be delighted with the difference. Usually Salzburg are worthy of talking about first, but this time Wolfsburg, five wins on the bounce in the league, a win in the cup as well in that time. They've rocketed up to second place in the league and Robin Dutt's side are just on incredible form and they are well worthy of their place at the, uh, the top billing of this episode of the other Bundesliga podcast, aren't they? They certainly are, and for a little bit of context, we are now 14 games into the season, around two-thirds of the way through the, the regular season. Ten games ago, Wolfsburg were bottom, having not yet won a game, two draws and two defeats. The run of form that they have, have gone on now is their, well, one more game, and it will be their longest winning run since 2014. So I think that tells you just how good they've been. And they have managed to claw back an eight-point gap to Sturm Graz and overtaking them to go into second so it's it's just been a month of superlatives for for Wolfsburg really I I don't think anyone saw this coming but but there we are we have a new team in second and the run has has been against very decent teams a resurgent Austria Wien they beat them 1-0 match day 11 they beat Lask 1-0 Match day 12, that they won their local derby against Austria Klagenfurt 2-1. Match day 13, they went away to, to Sturm Graz and got a rather incredible 3-0 win where they only had two shots on goal, which was uh, one of the more remarkable games we've seen this season. And then this weekend, they completely demolished Rapid Vienna 4-1. So they haven't been playing teams around the lower end of the table. They've been playing teams who are all quite high up and yeah, five wins on the bounce second place and that run also included beating three of last season's top four so yeah it's just a a remarkable uh few weeks for for robin dutz and the corinthian side it's an absolutely perfect way to go into the international break for a side like wolfsburg they would won't want it to be there actually right now they'll want to keep up this momentum because you know in the period of just the last five games as we've said that's 15 points and in a league season this year which has been probably tighter than, than ever before, or tighter than, than we remember in the Austrian Bundesliga since it, it switched to 12 teams, those 15 points from their last five games would already be enough for a solid mid-table position. It's crazy. In fact, just those last five games, even if they'd lost all the other games before, they'd still only be three points off the side who are in fourth place. So it's a really remarkable run in a season where everybody is struggling, to say the least, for any kind of consistency. 
uh, we didn't really see it coming. I think the last time we talked about the Austrian Bundesliga, they were on the, the list of teams where it's like they're equally as close to a catastrophe as they are to having a good season and sort of whether they finished in the top six or not was going to determine whether they're having a good year or not. But they are looking nailed on for the top six now. Robin Dutt has, you know, he's been rewarded. The club have been rewarded too for, for just sort of not putting him under any pressure despite... Uh, a not particularly uh, glowing start to the season. They noticed, you know, there were a couple of points dropped. I think they, they conceded late goals in two of their games early on in the season. So they could feasibly have even more points than they've got now. They could be up there on 28 points, something like that. Uh, and, and really, they'd be the nearest challengers to, to Salzburg. So they've, they've kind of been a bit of a sleeper hit this season and uh, come on strong in the last few games. But to, to overtake Sturm, who we've repeatedly said this season have been really in a league of their own in second place... I certainly didn't see anyone overhauling them at all, really, <laughs> probably for the rest of the season, let alone a couple of weeks after we said Sturm were untouchable in second. It's, it's remarkable from Wolfsburg, and you know, they deserve the, the plaudits. I think we should also talk about the, the most recent game against Rapid Vienna, because that is, as it stands, their last match. And, and they absolutely tore Rapid Vienna apart, 4-1. It was 3-1 by half-time. Uh, a nice mix of goals as well. We had set-piece goals, we had... Just the pace of Cheku Dieng, who I think has been really, really good recently. Ty Baribo didn't play in this one, but he's been a key man for them. He's their top scorer with six goals. Uh, but really, just the whole team. I really like the look of this this diamond in midfield, which really seems to be coming uh, into shape. We have Leitgeb at the base of it and Lindel at the top, which is pretty much a, a winning formula from the last two seasons. But, but Perez on the right and Taferna as well. And then you've got, as I say, the pace of, of Dieng. Usually he's up front with uh, Baribo. This time it was with, with Torsten Russia. But really, Rappi just didn't stand a chance. And they made some subs at, at the halfway point. But I don't really feel that there was ever a chance that they were going to come back into this game. It was just a, a stupendous performance from Wolfsburg. Yeah, we'll certainly get to talking about Rapids uh, later on in this podcast for, for different reasons, really, than, than we're talking about VRC now. But you're absolutely right. It was, it was one-way traffic, really. Uh, Rapids got a goal out of nowhere to, to sort of spark a potential fight back, which just never arrived. And I think this was the, the crowning achievement of Wolfsburg's season so far. You know, out of the, the five wins in five, this was undoubtedly the most comprehensive you know Simon mentioned the you know the PlayStation controller throwing game where they beat Sturm Graz with I think their XG at some point I think they were 2-0 up and had an XG of 0.03 at that point so I think if you're Sturm you could feel a little bit hard done by there but you know this was a totally different style of, of victory they played Rapid off the park in all areas and you have to remember in this corresponding fixture, or one of these corresponding fixtures last season, Rapid won eight. Was it eight two at this in the same game? You know, Koffler, the goalkeeper, letting in eight goals. They were just demolished, a completely demoralising victory last season. And then in the same fixture now, they go and, and win four one and just just smash Rapid out of the park. That must have felt very very good for the squad, and that must have been a really brilliant send off. And they'll be enjoying their time. Uh, in the international break. However, Robin Dutt, the coach, has said, um, you know, there's things I still want to work on. And I like the way he's gone about this this season. He wasn't the most popular appointment, but, you know, this guy's got a lot of experience. He's been the, the sporting director for the DFB. He's worked in senior positions at clubs like Stuttgart in Germany. He's never worked outside of Germany, in fact, but he's putting this, this into place at Wolfsburg as well. And I quite like the fact that they're aiming for this top six. You know, they've got reasonable ambitions. They're trying to improve the infrastructure. They're saying, look, this is a club that's had a good decade, a tiny, tiny club that's had a very good decade, made some incredible results in Europe, some incredible memories in Europe. We want to use that to imp improve the infrastructure, just improve everything around the club, improve the stadium, improve the academy, all of these important things. And they obviously feel that he's the right man to do that because he's got more oversight than a regular manager. And that's why he's going to get a bit of time if the results aren't perfect, because he's a guy who's working sort of harmoniously as, you know, when it's going well on the pitch and off the pitch. And obviously right now, you know, it is only 14 games into the season. And it's too early to say at the start that, that they started badly in the year. You know, 14 games are still quite early in, in the reign of a manager. And you've got to say at this point, it's looking pretty much overwhelmingly positive. And, and I like what you mentioned about, you know, Ty Baribo. He's been a good player. He's not available. And one of the most important things for VRC this season now is it seems like the approach that Robin Dutt is taking. Uh, I know he's, he's got this sort of, he's known as quite an analytical manager, sort of a heavy, heavy analyzer. And maybe that's what's helping. When players are out, when the system 
uh, doesn't have the 11 that it needs maybe exactly for that system, the other players are now suddenly able to do the job. And, and I feel like the, the Wolfsburg squad, it's not necessarily a massively deep squad, but by improving the young players, by expecting more of the young players at Wolfsburg, and by getting the substitutes to really fit into the system, he's making the squad right now look deeper than it is. When was the last time you saw Cheku Dieng be completely unplayable like he was against Rapid? He, this, this guy was literally untouchable. And it's like, I've seen Cheku Dieng's management and agents and stuff in the stands at ground sometimes, and they're willing him on. You know, he comes on for a few minutes as a substitute, and they're willing him to do something they really want him to do well. It's been a bit of a hard slog for Cheku Dieng at times in the Austrian Bundesliga. And it was like watching him just knock the ball past the rapid defence, sprint past them and slot the ball home. Like a guy playing with, with brilliant confidence and he's still not even the first choice of the ADZ, you know. This, this side suddenly look a lot better than they did not very long ago. Uh, that, that was a beautiful uh, f uh, five minutes speech there on Wolfsburg. <laughs> <laughs> Wolfsburg have been so good, in fact, that there have been rumours that Barnsley are interested in Robin Dutt but then withdrew their interest once they found out he wasn't Austrian. No, I'm just, 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 just making it up on the spot. No, you say that, though. I wouldn't be that surprised if Barnsley did come knocking for Robin Dutt. I think they might have had enough of Austrian managers after the, the Marcus Schopp, uh, well, failure, I suppose, but that's one for, for another day. I think we should probably dovetail into, you know, how Wolfsburg have managed to get themselves into second place because as much as that's been of their own making, it's also been... Sturm Graz seemingly falling off a little bit of a cliff. They started the season so brightly, and I think we all thought that in terms of consistency, they would be the only team that could really challenge Salzburg this season. Uh, they did lose both games against Salzburg in the regular season, but, but nonetheless, they were getting the results elsewhere, and that seems to have really changed. I don't know whether that's due to the, the double Doppelbelastung, as they call it, playing in the Europa League and in the Bundesliga, but they've now lost three of their last five games and really seem to be falling off the pace. And so perhaps uh, when it comes to looking for, for explanations, do we, do we have any ideas why Sturm Graz have, have fallen off a cliff like this? I mean, it's actually worse than that, Lee, because they lost in the cup against Reed as well. Prior to their amazing drawing at Sociedad, they lost to Sociedad as well. So, uh, you know, there's been a lot of defeats. I, I do think it is it's a very positive start to the season but it is quite a small squad and I think that they are struggling with in the league they were playing so well but in Europe they were getting beaten and maybe this mentality just got in their heads maybe I, I don't really know but um, yeah the, the defeats particularly against Wolfsburg at say was just one of, one of the more remarkable games I've ever seen in Austria because Sturm played so well they played brilliantly and to lose 3-0 when your opponent has two shots and, you know, if, if there's any justice for that game, Sturm probably should have won that game, really, against uh, Wolfsburg. But, you know, uh, when the luck's against you, the luck is against you. And, of course, I guess we can, we can now talk about the, the corona situation at Sturm Graz, which forced the, the postponement of their game against Altac this weekend. So, despite the fact Wolfsburg, I'd say, are second, uh, Sturm Graz have played one game less than them. Well, what, what do you guys think about this uh, the corona situation at Sturm Graz right now? Just going back quickly to the, the run that they're on in terms of defeats, like, I feel like this might just be a blip, to be honest. I do feel like the way that they're, they're conducting themselves, the performances they've put out there, they've been more consistent than, than basically anyone else for, for large parts of the season, aside from Salzburg, uh, it goes without saying almost, when we're talking about the Austrian Bundesliga, sadly. Um, I think this is just, you know, it's just a bad month. I wouldn't be surprised to see them... Uh, th I don't think they've lost their philosophy, their ideology. I think, as you say, the squad isn't that deep. And, you know, they've had COVID issues now as well. It's just not, not helping at all. But I think they'll be back. And I think they'll easily be in the top, top two or three come the end of the season. For now, though, yeah, that's a really difficult situation. You know, they lost Calvin Yuboa to, to COVID just before the game against Sociedad. And then you had the unusual situation of him being stuck, not able to travel back with the team. You know, last time I checked, he was still stuck in quarantine in Spain. The team then travelled back, uh, busy, busy times, you know, they were playing away and then in Spain and then they had to fly to Vorarlberg, which is quite far away from, from Graz as well. So they were travelling, travelling, travelling. Unfortunately, then that's meant that cases have spread throughout the team. We were wondering what was going to happen. You know, sometimes you see teams put out like a, a junior 11 or whatever, something like that. This uh, was decided by the health authorities and by the Bundesliga that that wasn't going to happen they cancelled the game Sturm have cancelled all their training for the next week so the next few days as we record this podcast 
um, they're just trying to use this uh, international break to to just get this get this done with and hopefully all the, the players will be back to full fitness at the end and there'll be no after effects fingers crossed for the Sturm players and on that note we had a question on Twitter asking about the vaccination situation at Sturm Graz um, I've done a little bit of numbers digging and according to a report on 90 Minuten um, a, a football website here in Austria they have one of the lowest uh, vaccination rates in the Bundesliga. The average across the whole league is 76% of players fully immunized and 11% recovered. And if you think about it, that's pretty good. That's higher than the national average. And it's higher than the Premier League, for example, where it's around two thirds. Uh, Austria developed this hygiene concept for stadiums uh, in the wake of Corona. And that included a kind of traffic light system where they had a green group and a, an amber group and a red group. And the red group includes staff and team, team officials that are traveling and, and in close proximity with the team. And if you include the members of the red group, uh, the vaccination rate is at 81%, up to 89% if you include um, recovered persons. But Sturm Graz are reportedly way below that, uh, that average of 76%. And that, of course, means that the outbreaks like this, as the weather gets colder, are likelier. Um, this is actually the first game this season that has been postponed due to Corona and only the second since the pandemic started, also involving Sturm Graz, the last one against Wolfsburg. But uh, I can't help but think that, that that vaccination situation has caused them a lot of bother here. Not necessarily a coincidence, is it, uh, to see then you know the team with the, the lowest percentage of vaccinated people, uh, then also the team with the outbreak. I mean, yeah, it's a really difficult thing to talk about. I know a lot of people in Austria are not happy with this 2G rules. Uh, for those who are not uh, based in Austria, 2G is basically just people who are vaccinated or recovered. You can no longer test to get into stadiums and a lot of fans are annoyed. A lot of fans are staying away from football grounds because they don't want to get vaccinated. You know, they're missing out on football at this point. I know there's, there's a lot of anger from fans at Rapid who are sort of visibly staying away. Fans at Sturm, I've read a lot of criticism from fans of Sturm now because this ruling about the 2G, is, it's been in place in Vienna already for a bit longer. It hasn't been the case in different parts of the country, but now the figures are clearly rising across Austria and they've decided to go uh, vaccinated or recovered all across the country now to get into football games. Case numbers much higher again, it looks like, with the game being called off already and Sturm having the cases of COVID already in the squad. You know, it looks like we're going to have to get ready for this throughout the winter. There is obviously a winter break, a long winter break here in Austria, but that is going to be the reality for, for a longer time in, in the Austrian Bundesliga. And hopefully uh, it's something that we can all put behind us very, very soon. But um, yeah, I think on the footballing side, Sturm are going to be just fine this season when they come back. Salzburg, they're 14 points clear. We don't need to talk about them, do we? Um, or, or shall we? Should we give Salzburg a word for, for how they're doing at the top of the table? Bumped off the top of the form table by Wolfsburg, of course, but uh, they're still up there with a 14-point advantage. They are still imperiously at the top, but by their own extremely high standards this season, you could argue that they're having a little bit of a stumble at the moment. Um, they've drawn their last two away games. Uh, that is, first of all, uh, in Altac, and then in Reed, which I thought was one of the the more interesting games that, that I've seen in the Bundesliga over the past few months. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about Reed later because they've done very, very well this season and they're, they're very enjoyable to watch. But from a Salzburg perspective, they were knocking on the door, knocking on the door, trying to get back into this game, having fallen 1-0 behind, scored in the 83rd and 85th minute. And you thought, right, classic Salzburg. They're on their way to a comfortable three points, only for... Uh, I think a set piece in stoppage time. The goalie's up, Samuel Shahin Radlinger, causing chaos in the box, and it falls to Leo Mikic, and he, he fires it into the goal. So Salzburg have started dropping a few points, but, but as you say, um, they are still a very long way clear. And this is actually not the first time that they have, have racked up 38 points from their first 14 matches. They've done so in three of the last four seasons. So they are just really, really fast starters. And, and when they get into that flow, thank God for the halving of the points, because otherwise they'd be well away, wouldn't they, by, by March time. So if we move down the table a little bit, you've got Austria Klagenfurt in fourth, Reed, who you just mentioned, in fifth, and Hartberg in sixth, uh, propping up the rest of the top six at the moment. Obviously, the all-important top six, where everybody needs to be after 22 games. That's uh, where the league splits. That's the sort of defining factor for a lot of teams, whether they are successful in the season or not. But interestingly, 
uh, Klagenfurt and Reed have only each won one of their last five matches. They were the two teams last time that we did a Bundesliga pod as well that were surprisingly in the top six. And the questions were, can they stay there? Will they stay there? Uh, for now, as it stands, they both are still there. Austria Klagenfurt with uh, a win against Hartberg this weekend. Marcus Pink on eight goals after just 14 games. You know, the, the 30-year-old uh, from Klagenfurt enjoying his joint best ever Bundesliga season already, only uh, we're not even halfway through the season yet. And just today I saw an article on the Bundesliga website where he said I was thinking about quitting. So good thing he didn't, huh? Persistence pays off. Yeah, it was a, a brace for him in their last game against Hartberg. Dario Tadic still looking very good at Hartberg, by the way. He's on the six goals this season. And how he didn't make it more against Austria Klagenfurt and uh, make that game closer, I will never know. A couple of brilliant saves, a couple of really unlucky moments for, for Tadic in the box. Um, it just wouldn't go in for him on the day. Uh, Hartberg and Klagenfurt, actually two teams who are scoring more goals than their expected goals. So I certainly thought there were going to be... Uh, you know, maybe a dearth of chances in the game, but lots of goals. And uh, as it was, just the two goals for um, for Marcus Pink. Reed in fifth. I'll give them a quick word because Reed have replaced their manager this week, which is very, very unusual. Andreas Heraf. Uh, just a strange story. This one. He's been out for five or six weeks with uh, vocal cord problems, severe vocal cord problems. I've got a bit of a background in the theatre and I know a lot about that because I know a lot of people who are singers, a lot of people who are in theatre who have vocal cord problems. They have voice rest, you know, literally you get the order from the doctor. Sometimes when you've got problems with your vocal cords, it's really horrible. You can get some difficult surgeries on those things. You know, if the surgery doesn't go right, you know, you have to like retrain your voice. It might not come back in the same way. So it's, it's not a pleasant position to be in. And I'm probably surprised we don't see it more from managers screaming at their players on the sidelines but he's been out for weeks you know voice rest orders can't say anything obviously he's not been able to lead the club in that time they brought in then Christian Heinler to take over from him uh, the assistant coach and now they've decided basically that even though Reed is still doing well uh, you know it's a results-based industry Hiraf was doing fine doing a good job in most people's opinions uh, Heinler's come in and basically the club internally have pretty much said hey, actually, we, we like what you're doing with this. You know, I think you've improved the way the squad are playing. Like, the football's maybe a little bit more attractive. Um, we'd quite like to get rid of Andreas Heraf now. So at the end of his uh, Krankenstand, they call it, so like medical you know, sickness leave, uh, he's, uh, he was going to come back, and he's not been invited back. But Heinle can't cannot take over because he does not have a UEFA Pro license. So very strange stuff from a team who are, I guess you'd say, flying high in fifth place at the moment. Away from the, the coaching situation, I'd just like to heap a little bit of praise on one of Reed's players who I think has had an outstanding start to the season and has probably been one of the, the best performers in the division. That's Stefan Nutz, who has the most assists in the whole Bundesliga on seven, uh, which means he's actually assisted over a third of their goals because they've got 19 in total. And also the most uh, possession wins in the final third as well, 13. So... He's been a really uh, key factor for them this season. The Stefan Nutz machine at S. Farid. While we're on the top assisters, by the way, I noticed we didn't really get any time to mention uh, Lindel, Michi Lindel, when we were talking about VRC, because he's been under the radar this season, Michi Lindel, I think. Uh, I just want to give him a quick note. We, we used to talk about him loads on the other Bundesliga. Long-term listeners will be familiar with Michi Lindel because he's got a rocket of a left foot and he gets all of VRC's assists. That's been the general pattern for the last three seasons. However, this year... Um, he didn't get that many assists at the start. And we thought, is he, is he waning? You know, is he not having the same impact? But I think if you look deeper into the stats, he was uh, getting a lot of the passes before the assists. You know, he got another one against Rapid. He's sort of creating goals, if not getting assists. But even now, he's actually snuck up uh, into the top four in the assists for the season. So I think calls that Michael Lindel passed it may have been uh, before their time. Yeah, I think it's just implied when we talk about Wolfsburg at say that Mickey Lindo will be mentioned. It's so it's funny we didn't mention him. But yeah, he's also ranked second in the league for key passes per match as well. And yeah, this is a man who's 36 years old and he's still so creative. It's just a, a wonderful thing that he's now playing in a team where you know everyone's creative. So we don't have to mention Mickey Lindo anymore because everything's not going through him anymore. But um, yeah, he's also having a great season. And uh, Sky Sports Austria have a player index and uh, he's now ranked the, the, the third best player in the entire league. A 36-year-old. It's, it's really incredible what he's doing, Mickey Lindon. And we're, we're big fans, and we shall remain big fans of Mickey Lindon. Just uh, out of curiosity, who are one and two? 
top two uh, are Rasmus Christensen, which is no surprise, and uh, Karim Adeyemi, also no surprise because he's the top scorer in the league. Perhaps just to round off our section on the top six, I just want to say we've got three clubs in fourth, fifth and sixth, Austria, Klagenfurt, Reed and Hartberg, who are the last clubs to be promoted to this division. And look how well they're all doing. Now, we know that it's really congested uh, in the midfield of the table and positions can change hands on a weekly basis. But these are three clubs that have done excellently since they've come up. Austria Klagenfurt in fourth. They're on course for the best finish by a promoted side since Lask when they first came up. Uh, you've got Hartberg, who, since they got promoted to the Bundesliga, have not spent a single cent on transfers. I find that absolutely outstanding. Not a single cent. And then you've got Reed as well, who came up and uh, honestly, for, in my opinion, are looking like one of the best teams in the Bundesliga right now, especially since you mentioned, Tom, as, uh, since, since Heinle's come in. So three clubs here who are, are doing absolutely fantastic jobs and making some of the traditionally bigger clubs in the league really uh, envy them, I think. It's funny because I agree with everything you said there, Lee, but... Both Klagenfurt and Reed only have one win in the last five games. So they're actually both like, underperforming a little bit from the very start of the season. And uh, they've actually been clawed back a little bit by the rest of the table, which has now become even more congested than the incredibly congested table we talked about three or four weeks ago. So now, yeah, from fourth to, to twelfth, there's only five points separating them. And, you know, this is just... I didn't predict Wolfsburg coming out of nowhere and going into second. So this table, I just can't imagine how it's going to be come match day 22 at the end of the regular season. It's so exciting, Tom. <laughs> it's very exciting indeed. To put that into some perspective, the gap between third and fourth is five points. And then fourth to 12th, bottom of the league, also five points. So really, really close. You know, that's our top six at the moment, rounded out with Austria, Klagenfurt, Reed and Hartberg. But uh, there's no guarantee that those teams will stay there. That's going to change. It's going to fluctuate a lot. But... As Lee said, making some of the big teams probably look a bit silly, aren't they? Because in the bottom six, we've got Rapid Vienna in seventh, Austria Vienna in eighth, Admira, then Lask in tenth, Altac 11th and Tyrol 12th. So, you know, that's three big names there. Rapid, Austria and Lask, no offence to the others, but three big names who will all feel like they, they must be in the top six every year. They absolutely have to be in the top six. That's the minimum requirement for those three clubs facts say they're not all going to make it surely they're not all going to make it and uh, I think Rapida probably the club worth talking about the most and we got a lot of questions about Didi Kubauer and his reign at Rapid Vienna on Twitter before we recorded this podcast several people mentioned that that's the topic that people want to know about what is going on at, at Rapid Vienna right now beaten 4-1 by by Vietti on the weekend but generally just sort of lurching around in in mid-table so it's quite funny because one of my friends, uh, one of my colleagues today was asking me, explain Rapid Vienna to me. And I was like, well, they're kind of doing what Manchester United are doing right now. <laughs> Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, you know, he's losing in many of these big games, but also he's doing just enough to remain in the job as well. The Rapid's last two games are exactly the issue because they won against Lask coming back from 1-0 from, uh, well, down in that game to win 3-2. It was a fantastic game of football. Me and Tom were both there at the Allianz Stadion. But then they get absolutely pounded by Wolfsburg at, say, 4-1. This, this just, you can't, they're so inconsistent. But they have so many talented players. And I can't pinpoint one, one reason why this is happening. It's a multitude of reasons. What do you guys think is, is the major reason that this is happening? I will answer that, but I also want to open this up to, to the Twitter questions that we got, which basically are saying, are Didi Kubala's days numbered at, at Rapid Vienna? Is this you know, the end? And, and should this be now at the international break, the end of Didi Kubala's tenure? I'll pass that over to you in just a moment for that. But I just want to look back on that 4-1 against VRC, which for me is the most lifeless rapid performance I've seen in a long, long time. The attitude simply wasn't there. And I hate to say it, but we saw shades of that in the game against Dinamo Zagreb as well. It's the first time I've seen Rapid look really defeated in a game. You knew they weren't going to get anything out of it. You could see as soon as they went behind, it was done. Same thing happened against VRC. This is a team now, basically... You've got, you can see at, at VRC, Robin Dutt has got the players like just giving that little bit extra. It's just giving everything for the team. And, and it's not like you know, players are not applying themselves at Rapid. It's not necessarily the case. You know, it's, it's, not, it's too lazy a criticism to say, like, oh, the players aren't working hard enough. Of course, people are still trying, but it does make a difference in elite sports when 
you're not quite motivated. You're not quite all pulling the same way. Not everybody's happy. The mood isn't very good. And you could see it. It was missing. There's something missing at Rapid at the moment. And they looked completely lifeless against VRT. And that, for me, is, is a very worrying sign. And I would say this is probably the, the lowest point of Didi Kubau's tenure. Statistically, it really is a low point of Didi Kubau's tenure. But before I go into that, just to touch on the Wolfsburg game, some of the basics that you learn when you're a kid and you go to football training for the first time, when you mark someone, you stay goal side, and you look at the first two goals that Wolfsburg scored in this game. On both occasions, the defender is not goal side and has allowed the attacker to get free. And then the second two goals, really silly possession giveaways, and then all the players are caught out of position. And, and of course, it helps if you've got a striker like Cheku Dieng sprinting through on goal on uh, full of confidence. But all of those goals, I think, were, were a combination of Wolfsburg doing well and, and Rapid sort of imploding. You said, is this a, a low point of his tenure? And I worked out his points per game average since he took the job. So he came in nine games into the 2018 to 19 season. And in that first season, which... Rapid didn't actually finish in the top six. They, they finished top of the relegation round. He had 1.48 points per game. But Rapid stuck with him. And over the next two seasons, it was pretty much a similar story. In both seasons, 58 and 59 points respectively, 17 wins, and a points per game average of 1.81 on 1.84. This season, it has really come crashing down. 16 points from 14 games, 1.14 points per game, which is, for a team of rapid standing and expectations, is an absolute catastrophe. And, you know, historically as well, this means that he's got 167 points from 101 games in charge, an average of 1.65 points per game. That doesn't even make him one of Rapid's 15 best coaches of all time. Even, even Goran Djuricin, who was his predecessor, had 1.73. So really you have to look at this and think he's been there four years it's going downhill if things were going to be getting better they'd have done so by now and I think it's uh, it's a harsh reality that if Rapid wants to improve Didi Kubal has to go Lee I agree with you particularly exacerbated by the fact that they brought in so many young talented players in the summer and we, we, we were sat here in August talking about how we thought Rapid were generally going to challenge Salzburg and the fact this hasn't happened whatsoever. It just shows something has broken at the Allianz Stadion. And if I'm honest with you, I can't see Didi Kubau surviving until Christmas. Um, if I was Rapid, I'd probably take the chance now and get rid of him. But, you know, maybe they don't want to sack him. Maybe they believe that he can turn this around. I think one of the reasons why Rapid have to act now is because they cannot afford another repeat of his first season when they didn't make the top six. Rapid have to be in the top six. They have to be getting some sort of European football. And we're reaching the point of the season now where they have to make a decision. If they let this go on for too much longer, perhaps a couple of those teams do pull away. So I think really the international break, which is a, a time where traditionally we see manager turnovers, this, this has to be an opportunity for Rapid to, to reassess and pull the trigger. I mean, the big question there, I suppose, is who do they bring in? You know, if they do get rid of Kubau now, who, who is the person waiting in the wings to, to come in? You know, they don't have a great deal of money to spend on anyone. But certainly since that VSG Tirol game where we thought it couldn't get any worse for Rapid, you know, they were, they were temporarily bottom of the table. They came back and won the game. But even since then, you know, they conceded late goals in two of their games. They lost quite tamely in Europe and... Uh, they're still only one point outside the top six. I guess that's a, a reason to, to keep hold of Didi Kubauer. But, you know, he was saying it was like a, a performance not worthy of Rapid and not worthy of the Bundesliga in the game uh, this weekend. So for him, it's, it's going to be a very long winter break indeed. And this is probably the least surprised that I would be now uh, in the whole time of, of Kubauer's tenure to, to wake up tomorrow and see if the papers said that he's gone. But I just I genuinely don't know who, who they would be bringing in. On one positive note, before we move away from Rapid, I noticed that uh, Koya Kitagawa was put into the second team this week. And I think that's something interesting because Kubawa obviously doesn't seem to be a particularly flexible kind of manager. He doesn't seem to have had like brainwaves like this before. 
he needs more from the players. You know, yes, they've got a lot of injuries. There's a lot of injuries. And if you look, you know, how we've criticised the rapid defence from uh, time and time again this season, but, you know, Grimal, the best performer, he's out with injury as well. You know, they're, they're talking about bringing on in Europe, you know, Querfeld came on, Leo Querfeld came on, debuts everywhere. Martin Moorman came on. Uh, these are like really, really young defenders who are being thrown in for their debuts on the international stage. You know, it, it's, it's far from ideal. But that's also the manager's responsibility too, you know, to, to cultivate the players beneath the first team and, and certainly the guys who are on the bench and give them a bit more confidence. And I feel like Koya Kitagawa's had, as a striker, no confidence for ages. It's been almost a year since he scored, scored a goal. I think the last goal he scored was against Arsenal in the Europa League last season. And now he gets put on sort of out of position a bit, late on in games, no chance. And I, was, I just sort of raised eyebrows this weekend when they put him with the juniors for, for the first time. And lo and behold, Derby, juniors against Austria-Vienna, young Violets. Koya Kitagawa scores the winner in a 2-1 victory at home. Brilliant first touch into the box. Brilliant second touch around the defender and fired at home. So I know the, uh, the Japanese fans of the Austrian Bundesliga were enjoying that. The, the Shimitsu Espels fans <laughs> enjoying Kitagawa's goal. Obviously, it's for the second team, but, you know, it, it's sort of managerial things like that. Like... <laughs> I want to say thinking outside the box. It's not really thinking outside the box. This is something that makes sense and probably should have been done a long time ago. If he's useless as a substitute, give him a chance to get some game time. Give him a chance to, to re recover some confidence. And I just felt that it was interesting and it was worthy of note that Kitagawa on his, on his junior team debut scored the, the winner in that derby. And you wonder if that can sort of kickstart something for him because it's, it's been a long and difficult time for him. And, you know, I don't even know how to, to talk about like uh, Taxi Funtas, Erchen Kara. You know, their gold records are just not that bad this season, six each, but just not looking like the same team, are they? Speaking of uh, Japanese fans being very, very happy with one, one of their y young talents, Kaito Nakamura has scored three goals in his last two games, including a goal against VSK Tirol as Lask rebounded off th from the bottom of the league and now into the much more respectable place of 10th. Also, remarkably qualifying for the knockout stage of a European tournament whilst being at the bottom of their domestic league which can't have happened too many times but Nakamura looks like a real talent doesn't he Tom? Yeah I don't want to band these two players together because I, the Austrian media do this a lot because there's uh, there's Hyun Seok Hong from South Korea and there's Keito Nakamura who's from Japan and uh, the Austrian press like quite lazily sometimes just you know it's like oh the two Asian players so I don't want to do that but at the same time right now they are definitely two really exciting new faces worthy of talking about and I would be talking about them whichever countries they came from not just because they're two Asian players but uh, Hong just like turned into a, to a bit of an assist machine got uh, got a couple of assists this weekend and suddenly looks like he's always in the right places finding the right passes looks uh, looks really good you know he's only made just up into double figures in terms of appearances for Lask and Nakamura not even at double figures yet and now suddenly getting goals and these are guys who've who've been around you know obviously made the move from Asia to Europe and found their way to Lask a uh, club which traditionally or in recent seasons has been good at developing young talents so I'm very excited to see where it goes for them and They've certainly been two of the, the shining lights of Lask in the last few weeks. And I noticed, yeah, Lask, yes, they've moved up to 10th. They're still joint bottom in terms of points in the league. So it's not exactly like their dark days are behind them yet. They're still, uh, there's still a long road ahead for them. But I feel like if you look at Lask's last four games before that, where they lost all four in the league, I feel like they've kind of actually been on a, they've been on like, I don't know what the equivalent of this is. It's like a, a sort of a sleeper hit like it's not as bad as it looks the, the the run of four defeats isn't as bad as it looks because they've actually won four of their last six in all competitions despite losing four of their last five in the Bundesliga because they've got wins in the cup in, in that time they've got wins in the conference league in that time so it's essentially been like win in one competition lose in the Bundesliga win in one competition lose in the Bundesliga so I feel like maybe they've probably got despite being further down the table a bit more of a reason to look upwards than, than Rapid have I think so as well. I mean, there's a lot going on at Lask at the moment. There's uh, suspensions, injuries, coronavirus as well. Quite a, a big outbreak in their squad. Probably the second biggest in the Bundesliga behind Sturm Graz. And, you know, I think it also speaks volumes about the quality of the Austrian Bundesliga that, that Lask are getting more wins in Europe against other domestic champions than they are uh, at home. This run of four defeats in a row was their, their longest losing streak since they joint longest rather since they got promoted back to the Bundesliga and yet they're still within touch just because of how congested the middle of the table is so if they can get two or three results together two or three wins in the next few weeks 
Um, and that is a lot to ask, given what's going on in their squad at the moment. But they'd be right back in the picture. And a club like Lask needs to be in the top six. We need them in the top six for a strong Austrian Bundesliga. And they'll want to get into Europe for the fourth year in a row. So let's see what can happen. And, and maybe this is a turning point for them. Given the nature of how close the Bundesliga is right now, there were a couple of teams who were oh so close to being in that top six by the time we recorded this podcast. And that was Austria-Vienna, who uh, lost narrowly to Salzburg. That, that extra point could have bumped them up into the top six, potentially. And Admira as well, who were leading until late on against Esfar Reed. Uh, Reed turned it around and, uh, and won the game to keep themselves in the top six and to, to mean that Admira uh, fell back down to ninth place again. My tip for, for the next Rapid coach was Andreas Herzog, actually. And I think he's still doing a decent job at, at Admira. You know, it's not an easy club to manage necessarily. They're, they're still right there in the mix. They're not languishing on the bottom of the table. Um, I wonder if it, it was a few months down the line and, and this was the position at Rapid and if Admira were, were maybe, you know, up there nicking sixth place or whatever. I think I can definitely imagine a switch for, for Andreas Herzog coming in at, at Rapid Vienna. But um, yeah, I was a, bit, a little bit disappointed to see Admira give up those those uh, two late goals to read but they'll be feeling a little bit hard done by but I mean it's just you can you can pick out now the Bundesliga is that close you can essentially pick out key moments in in any individual game and right now a club could say that moment that penalty decision that VAR call or this whatever this is kind of costing us a place in the top six because uh, you know one result can change anything for, for anybody right now probably more than any other team Austria-Vienna will feel that they have been just one or two moments away from a, a position in the top six. I think what's interesting for them is that the, the foundations for Austria-Vienna have been built on a, a solid defence this season. They really have been good at the back. They actually have the, the second best defensive record in the league. And only once in the last eight years they've conceded fewer goals at this stage of a season than they have. So really impressive for them. The problem for them is that they're simply drawing too many games. You know, we've, we've spoken on this podcast this season about VSG Tirol being the draw specialists of the league. Well, now both they and Austria-Vienna have drawn seven games. And you just think, with Austria-Vienna being that tight at the back, just one or two goals in their games. And, and they'd be in a very different position right now. So I think the, the positive for them is that they're not too far away from turning it around. They could just do with Marco Juricin not missing as many chances as he has. He has missed the most big chances of any Bundesliga player this season, 10. So the margins are fine, and I don't think Austria-Vienna are too far away. It's sort of harsh because he's their top scorer as well. So he's like their top scorer and their top chance waster. It's a bit rough. Yeah, it just struck me as quite a... When the margins are so fine, it just struck me as a bit of a standout statistic because, uh, you know... Two more wins instead of draws, that's four more points. And then where are they? They're up in fourth or fifth or something. So considering their financial situation at the start of the season, and we all thought a few games into this season that this could be a car crash campaign for Austria-Vienna, I do think things look a little bit rosier than, than they previously had. It's interesting at the bottom because let's move to Altac. I don't think we mentioned Altac yet. Uh, Altac have the third best defence in the league, but they sit 11th in the table because they, they just can't score any goals. They've only scored nine goals all season, but they have the third best defence. It just doesn't make any sense that this league is... Uh, but, but then you have um, uh, Val Reed, who have conceded 30 goals. Of course, the, the caveat there is the, a lot of them were against Salzburg in that 7-0 defeat. But they sit fifth in the league and they've conceded like 12 more goals than, uh, than Altac have. So, yeah, it just shows how this league is just... It's a, it's a crazy league, isn't it? It's mad, but we love it, don't we, Lee? <laughs> we certainly do. And in fact, in just a few weeks' time, and, and, and Altac, you mentioning Altac, got me thinking about this. We are going to be heading over on the long journey to Tyrol first and then, and then for Alberg to see Altac play against VSG Tyrol. And as it stands, that's an 11th versus 12th uh, clash. So perhaps even bigger than the, uh, you know, the presence of the other Bundesliga in Vorarlberg for the very first time since we started this pod is the, well, what's at stake in this game? Because you really feel that with the teams directly above them being the two Vienna clubs and Lask who will have ambitions to get much higher, you know, this game... If one of these teams gets three points, it's, it's a six-pointer if ever there was one, really. So interesting to see what happens with that. And if Altac are pretty low on goals this season, now's the time. We've got a few weeks. We're putting the order in now 
get it ready for us. Get some goals laid out in our tag. Can't wait to be there. Really looking forward to that. And sneaky trip to Vaca Innsbruck on the, the Friday night before. Thank you, fixture list. So that's great. A bit of a, a Liga Zwar slash Bundesliga double for that uh, long trip for that weekend. So very much looking forward to that. Um, talking about long trips, should we talk about the Austrian national team briefly? It's the uh, international window at the moment. It seems a little bit pointless for Austria, unfortunately, because it's sort of useless. It's, uh, they're in a useless position in the group. They can't really go through. Uh, Foda and his tenure is uh, just not looking great, is it? Nobody's particularly positive about it. The games are in Klagenfurt as well, which don't really have a traditional uh, history of, of being a, a rip-roaring success for Austrian national team matches. So a home double for the conclusion of the qualifying campaign could have been really special. Israel and Moldova, two games where Austria could potentially aim for six points. As it is, you've got players out with corona i've heard that actually adiemi in the germany squad out uh, in quarantine at the moment as well so corona uh, making its impact on this international break already but what is left to play for for austria you know israel and moldova the opponents it doesn't matter for austria in terms of points but does it matter for franco foda does it matter to the players does it matter to the reputation should they put that out of mind and, and go for it anyway or are they going to be looking extra flat because there's nothing riding on the games I think they should go all out for, for the victories because it's it's still two World Cup qualifiers. And I mean, for, for, for Israel, Israel need to win this game if they have any chance of securing a, a playoff spot. They're currently four uh, points behind your team uh, from, from Scotland, Tom. So it is imperative for them to get a result. But if Austria, I mean, Austria shouldn't be fourth in the group here. Austria should be challenging for the top two and yes they have this caveat of the UEFA Nations League spot which is kind of like I mean what we thought might happen is it would cast a shadow over this group and lo and behold it has because Austria still have a massive chance of qualifying for for the World Cup but this group campaign has been a disastrous group campaign and if it wasn't for that Fafoda would have been sacked by now in my opinion so yeah two two victories but it being held in Klagenfurt, like I, I like going to the Vertice Stadion. It's a beautiful stadium, but these two games are not going to bring in the crowds, are they? We're looking at b below 10,000 fans, maybe even less than that. It's a bit of a, a sad way for Austria to end their, their group stages, but of course the Nations League playoffs are coming soon. If there's one positive to take, and I'm not really sure whether this is a positive or a negative, uh, it's that we have a few more Austrian Bundesliga players nominated for this squad. Now I say... Obviously, on the face of it, that is, that is a positive. But the fact that it's taken a meaningless double header at the end of a qualification campaign for Foda to do that does irk me slightly. But, but great to see the likes of uh, Patrick Pence called up for the first time in goal. Uh, the Salzburg players, uh, Junior Adamu and uh, Nicholas Seibalt as well, who's, who's had a fantastic season. Um, and Marco Gruhl, who's been, been really good for Rapid. So... There are at least uh, a few Austrian Bundesliga players with a chance to impress. And they may well impress and then never get called upon when important games come round again, as is generally the way with Franco Foda. Yeah, he'll play Marco Gruhl briefly out of position and then say he didn't do enough and uh, not use him again. So I'm sure that that's, that's what Marco Gruhl has in store for himself uh, in the, the next few games. But uh, thanks a lot to Jakob Linsberger, to Harold Strasser and to Sav2000 as well for their questions. We got another one from Philip Jackson, uh, similar to the Didi Kuba questions, really. Uh, it's about Foda this time. Though. When should Foda leave the national team job? Question mark Before the end of these qualifiers so the new boss can prepare for the Nations League playoff or after them? Or will he just stay? Um, Philip then says he'd prefer him gone ASAP, uh, giving him a new man early uh, time to prepare for success. Of course, that's what teams should do. That's what international teams as well, that's what they should do, give somebody time to sort of bed into their new job. That's not, that doesn't tend to be what happens all that often, does it? So what do you reckon? Does Foda go pre-playoff, post-playoff? Does he just stay? It's the OFB. Um, I'm sure they'll keep him in. Um, uh, it's... It's a difficult one because, you know, Austria do have a chance of qualifying and do you sack the manager? Do you bring in someone new whose first matches would be World Cup playoffs? I, I don't know how to play this. I think if they were to sack him, they should have done it uh, after the last international break. But I, I think they'll just keep him in because to bring a manager in for World Cup playoffs will be a very difficult task with that uh, coming in manager. Similar to Didi Kuba at Rapid, really. The question is, who comes in? You know, there's, there's no big budget to bring someone else in. And with the players that you've got at, at your disposal, 
You need you need like a big name somehow. You need someone who's capable of dealing with a lot of good players. How about a switch, a manager switch? Foda to Rapid, Kubala to Austria. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Foda to, to Rapid. You never know. Well, he did win the Bundesliga with Sturm Graz. So, you know, maybe can he do it again with Rapid Vienna? Uh, well, there you go. Go and place uh, a small bet. I'm going to go and put one euro a bet on that happening. Next manager to win a trophy with, with Rapid Vienna, Franco Foda. Uh, yeah, interesting. Uh, the ÖFB Cup as well, while we're on ÖFB events. There were some uh, games recently, some draws recently as well. Uh, the, the, the fixture list is looking a bit interesting, isn't it, Sai? Yeah, I'm not going to go through all the games, but Tom and I uh, went to Floridsdorf for Atze versus Katfenberger Esval, which was a, a nil-nil draw, went to penalties, was freezing cold. Blast, that's the magic of the cup. And uh, actually, Floridsdorf uh, Atze became the only team from outside the Bundesliga to, uh, to, to get into the Austrian Cup quarterfinals, where they will travel to Wolfsburg Atze. The, the other three ties are Rapid Vienna at home to Hartberg, Eversvall Reed versus Austria Klagenfurt, and then <laughs> Revel Salzburg against Lask. And uh, this draw happened in the middle of the Rapid Vienna versus Lask game. And I'm sure the Lask players after that 3-2 defeat came off the pitch and then saw they drew Salzburg in the cup again. We uh, just felt so happy about that. But yeah, that means uh, the, the, these, these uh, four games are actually the games that will bring us back after the winter break. So four very good quarterfinals to look forward to. I know it's going to be an inevitable Salzburg march to the cup as well, but it is nice to see them actually draw somebody uh, of, of a, a, diff- a different nature, difficult nature, more early, you know, earlier in the cup. It's been quite often that uh, once they've got Rapid out of the way, Salzburg then get to play against you know, all the lower league teams left in the cup until the final. So at least they got a big draw earlier on this time around. So um, yeah, let's, let's see how that goes. But that's something to look forward to for a lot of teams. Love the RFB cup and... Uh, Good luck to Floridsdorf at Adsi as the, uh, the only team from outside the Bundesliga left in it. Exciting stuff. I think we can round up the podcast there. It's uh, been really nice to look back on the Bundesliga after 14 match days, except for a couple of teams who've only played 13. Uh, hopefully that uh, can sort itself out soon and we can all get back on track and not too many postponed games over the winter and stuff like that. Who knows? We'll uh, have to see how that goes. But thanks a lot for joining us on the other Bundesliga podcast. Thanks very much to Lee Wingate and Simon Clark for your input on this one. I look forward to uh, getting back to the long haul with you uh, in a few weeks and, and recording the next one. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please consider leaving us a review on your podcast platform of choice. That's extremely helpful to us. We also have a Patreon page if you wish to chip in a few euro each month to help us out. That's over at patreon.com forward slash other Bundesliga. Special thanks go to Gabriel Geber at Torn Geber Studios for this lovely music and also to the gentleman creatives for their other Bundesliga logo artwork.